PDPW On Demand. Here's Bill Baker. Welcome to the PDPW Podcast, where this week we're talking about my generation and many other generations that we are living with today. Dr. Becky Stewart-Gross, president of Building Bridges Seminars, joins us to tell us more about how to communicate effectively with all generations living today. Hey, Bill, thank you so very much. And first of all, let's define what we even mean by a generation. You know, so many people are talking about those people. Well, who are those people? When we talk about a generation, a generation is usually a group of people who have experienced some things in common. Now, some of those things that are in common are things like world events, technological influences, language use like the slang that they use. They seem to have some of the same heroes. They have some shared interests and values, and there are some similar workplace attitudes and some workplace values. There are other things, though, that do influence us as a generation. And I think it's important to also realize that some of us are what we call cusp babies. Now, that's not cusp, but that's cusp, uh, C-U-S-P. And cusp babies means that you actually have a foot in two or more generations. And many times that is because of when your birthday was. So you may have a foot where you're right in between being a baby boomer and a Gen X. And so you might find you have traits of one more than the other, even though your actual birth date is in one particular area. A second thing that we find really does influence us in our how we act is also our birth order. If you are the oldest child or if you happen to be the youngest child. And another, a third area happens to be the age of your parents. If you have parents that are young when they have you, or if you have older parents. And then fourth happens to be where you grew up. Did you grow up in the United States and where in the United States? Was it on one of the coasts? Was it in the Midwest? Was it in the Deep South? Perhaps you grew up in a rural area, in the suburbs, or in an urban area. And did you grow up in North America, or did you grow up in some other part of the world? All of those factors are taken into consideration when we even start to look at what is a generation. You know, we think about who we are as individuals, and I think that is a part of it, but I definitely do think there are so many things that do influence us, and because of those influences, we find that as groups of people, uh, we do have then certain characteristics. With all of this being said, though, we do need to be very careful that we are very sensitive not to stereotype someone because as soon as we start to go down this path, and we are going to talk about what are some of those stereotypes, but as soon as we start to talk about it, it's really easy then to assume that everyone in that age group is going to act a certain way. But we do need to remember it will depend upon which of these different factors did influence us most in our growing up years. And the research is, is still very new as they're looking at Generation Z, but one of the things that they are finding is the number of similarities between Generation Z and the traditionalist. And so this is what's going to be very interesting. So now if you think about it, the traditionalist, now those people today are going to be 74 years and older. Most of these people were very much impacted by the Depression. Well, our Generation Z was impacted by the recession. 
We find that the traditionalists were people that were usually the ones that were out there doing it themselves. They were the people that were out there that were working with their hands. What we're finding is that our Generation Z is understanding that, you know what, going to a tech school can be a really good thing. Having a hands-on career, working with my hands, and many of them are becoming do-it-yourselfers. In fact, we're finding that Generation Z is going to be one of the largest entrepreneurial groups of any groups around. Now, our traditionalists, that's 74 years and older. So for many of you, that may be the person that started the family farm, or they might have been second generation on the family farm, and they're now at this point in time are perhaps the matriarch or the patriarch on the farm. You know, we actually break the traditionalists into two different groups. Many times people think of them as the greatest generation. And that's really the first part of the traditionalists. This is the group that was born before 1925. This is the group that was in World War II. And we do owe so much to this generation. There is another part of the traditionalist generation, though. And it's interesting, they are oftentimes referred to as the silent generation. They were born between 1925 and 1945. Many of them were in the Korean War. And it's interesting listening and talking to this generation because they are referred to as the silent generation because many of them feel like because they weren't out fighting in World War II, they weren't a part of the greatest generation. Between those two generations, though, 50% of men in this generation were in the military. Now, compare that today when less than 1% of our nation's population is in the military. And it's an interesting difference when we look at then why that has made a difference as to how there is a different reaction to their loyalty, their loyalty to country, um, how they see the country. And so we see that aspect. Also during the traditionalist area, um, this is when there was really no retirement. You basically worked until you no longer could work, and then you sat in a wheelchair until you were no longer with us. We found during this time is when the labor unions were growing up. We found out that many of these people grew up without a lot of the modern conveniences, and they certainly did not have the Internet. And people today wonder how they found out their information because Google wasn't around. We found that in this generation, this is a generation that had extremely high work ethic. They were very dependable. Uh, we found that they were married for life. Uh, most of the women in this generation were homemakers. They didn't work outside of the home. And this generation is oftentimes seen as being very stubbornly independent. Now, what do we do with this generation? This is our traditionalist generation. Well, if you're communicating with this generation, one of the things is to remember is that most of them are very conservative. They are very hardworking. And you want to look at having face-to-face -face communication with them. Most of the modern technology would be more difficult for them, uh, especially if you're trying to really carry on a serious conversation. If there's going to be a risk, you'd want to talk about how that risk can be mitigated. How are we going to actually deal with this risk? And you want to, in dealing with change, try to avoid real fast change, but explaining to them ahead of time what is the change and why is that change going to be there, and letting this generation know how much we value them as individuals and that we value their past and what they have done. 
There are actually two different waves of baby boomers, just like there were of the traditionalists. In our first wave, well, this is the group that was born between 1946 and 1954. We call this group the Save the World Revolutionaries of the 60s and 70s. Uh, and we look at this particular group, they actually had different influences than the second wave, which was born between 1955 and 1964. They were the party hardy yuppies of the 70s and the 80s. But when we talk about these two different groups and we think about them as a whole, think about the things that were going on. There was a lot of disruption that was going on. We had Vietnam War, there were riots, there was Watergate, there was drug, sex, rock and roll, Woodstock was going on. This is the first TV generation. Divorce is really getting started. There was the assassination of uh, JFK, Martin Luther King. This is when the, we had the race movement, we had the women's movement. There's a lot of questioning of authority, and more people were starting to go to college. Now, if we think about those baby boomers today, they are forever young and optimistic. We have a lot more women in the workforce because of this group here. Um, we find that they were great crusaders for causes. This is the beginning of the Peace Corps. Uh, this group is much more liberal than their parents were. And one characteristic of this group that is great to know is that they were really good at brainstorming. So what do we want to do if we're going to be working with baby boomers? Well, First of all, know that you can brainstorm with them. They're usually really good at brainstorming. They're great at strategy. You want to really think about fairness for all. Remember, this is a group that really fought for equality. You can discuss future innovations with this group and explain what the process is. Again, this group here, like every other group, likes to have their opinion valued and it needs to know that they are still needed and that they're still valuable because they have so much to be able to bring to your organization and to your family. In fact, right now, um, they are, are 76 million strong in the United States and we have 10,000 reaching retirement age of 65 every single day just here in the United States. The Gen Xers now with our next group that comes in. This makes up about 55 million people in the United States and about 27% of our workforce right now. Now, if you figure out this age group right now is born between 1965 and 1976. Now, at this point, our age numbers start to get a little cloudy because the researchers, again, as they're looking at it, they're trying to define exactly where those are, but that's about the age range. So we're talking early 40s to early 50s here. Got to remember what happened to this group. And the reason this group got singled out, it's actually our smallest group. They started out, like their parents, really loyal to organizations, to the things that they were doing, and suddenly they watched those organizations downsize their parents. Oftentimes, Gen X is referred to as the latchkey children. You see, this group is the one that was brought up by Sesame Street and MTV. Now, not only are they letting themselves in at home, which is why they got referred to as the latchkey children, on the carton of milk, there was a photograph of a missing kid. When they went to school, they were taught the saying, stranger danger. And they were taught on Halloween that they better be careful what house they went to because somebody may have put pins or razor blades in the candy or the apple. There were a lot of things that they were taught they can't trust other people. So our Generation X is an extremely independent, self-reliant group.
They were told from the very first, you better not expect to have any Social Security around by the time you get there. And so this particular group has really learned to take care of themselves. It's during this time that personal computing really came out. It's also during this time that VCRs, video games, and microwaves became about. And so we find with this group that this group no longer like their parents who were out there, and they were so excited to live to work, and work was so important to them. With this group, they now are working to live, and, and this group now has realized, you know what? We don't need to be so formal. And our family is really important. And so with this particular group, as they're thinking about what it is that they're doing, they are looking at how are they going to be effective. And with this particular group, you can help them to be more effective by giving them personal security, being very factual and straightforward, because remember, this group is going to be more skeptical. And this group is also thinking more globally. You can be more informal with this group, and you need to be careful that you don't give them meaningless talk or tasks to do, because that's not going to be something that this group is going to tolerate. Um, because again, that's something that they have really learned, that they want to be able to be independent and self-reliant. Gen X, that name came out because of the extreme sports that they were involved in. Well, they were taking care of themselves. The pendulum swung with Gen Y. With Gen Y, suddenly we had helicopter parents. We had parents that were hovering over. Now, there was a reason why that hovering was there. Remember, stranger danger, all of the things that were going on with, with Gen X. Parents thought, I can't do that with my children. So no longer could you say, dinner's at 6 o'clock, be home by then. Really, what you wanted to do is you want to defense your yard in. You make sure you knew at all times where your children were. This group, the Gen Y group, makes up 28% of our workforce. There's about 80 million of them in the United States, and they're late 20s to early 40s. We find that this generation was really impacted by 9-11, terrorism, Columbine. You see, this generation learned you're not even safe at school. This generation was impacted greatly by Facebook, fall of the Berlin Wall, and this generation, unlike past generations where, if you think about it, you know, their grandparents, if you went to high school, it was great. And then when we think about with their parents, going to college was expected. Well, with them, it wasn't only going to college, but it was where are you going to get your master's degree? And so we start to realize all of these different things that are influencing this particular generation. Also, when they are going out and they're playing in sports, well, we've all heard about those participation awards, and everyone was getting an award at that point in time. And so when we hear things about, oh, this generation, they just have a sense of entitlement. Well, part of that entitlement has come about because of how they've been raised. Remember, again, this generation is sometimes referred to as the Disney World kids. They are more traveled, many of them much more than their parents ever were. Uh, they've gone on more cruises, they've been on more vacations, and they've been more global than uh, any of our generations up until that time. What's been interesting with Gen Y is they became highly educated. They got not just their undergrad, but they went on and got a master's degree, and then they got out, and the recession was hitting. Now here, all of a sudden, they're sitting there with all of these degrees and having no place to be able to use them. So what we found was all of a sudden... The Peace Corps became reinvigorated again. 
In fact, right now, there is actually a two-year waiting list for the Peace Corps. And this generation has really embraced service, partly because we have a great expectation of that in the school area, but we find that that has become a part of it. The challenge that this generation has had is that because of technology, they are much more comfortable texting or sending someone an instant message versus talking to the person face-to-face. And this has become very challenging as we think about now our generations interacting with each other. Uh, In fact, actually, I know some Gen Ys who will literally go to a party or go out for dinner and never have one word of conversation with one person And they will be literally texting the person who is sitting across from them. So it is an interesting, uh, different phenomena that we have because of technology and how that has influenced us today. Let's talk a little bit about Gen Z. Now, Gen Z, this is the one, this is our newest generation. There's a confusion right now as to where the beginning of it is actually going to be. Some people have put it about 1990. Others have put it about 1996. But here's the thing that they are really beginning to realize is the defining difference between Gen Y and Gen Z. And the piece that they're looking at is 9-11. What they are finding is if 9-11 is in the history books and was not really a part of their lives, that's really what they call a Gen Z. So if they were not a person that really remembers it, and so... As a person who is thinking about it, for many people today, they go, oh, I know exactly where I was when. But for Generation Z, for many of them, they were young children at that point in time, and they didn't really feel the impact at that point. What they did feel the impact, though, was the recession that occurred afterwards. They've also felt a great impact by technology. In fact, this is the group that technology has always been there for them. They never knew a world without the Internet. We find that for them, television is reality TV with hundreds and hundreds of channels. They cannot imagine a day in which there were only three channels and you actually had to get up to change the channel. You couldn't just click it on your remote control. Do you know that they say today that the average Gen Z spends two hours a day watching YouTube videos? Uh, So we are starting to watch and seeing how the Technology has really impacted our Generation Z. What is very difficult, though, is that we look at our Generation Z and we are finding that Gen Z right now is probably our most educated, our most obese, and our most drugged generation. And I'm not talking about the drugs that are now being legalized in certain states, but we're talking about the drugs because what we are finding is that this generation of any generation is a generation where they have been from a very early age being given different pharmaceutical drugs for various areas. And so we're finding that we have young children who are being given Prozac. We have uh, many children that have been given since the time they were three years old. They've been put on Ritalin. We've been finding a lot of different chemicals that this generation is going to have. And so that's going to make a difference as we start to watch this generation grow up because we aren't quite sure all of the long-term effects of what will happen with some of these different drugs. The other thing that's very interesting of this generation is this generation is used to shopping online and getting it in two days. So when we think about, well, they 
they just have instant gratification. Oh, I can see why. We used to shop. We'd have to go out. We'd have to go to a place. And then if we had to order it, we had to wait quite a while in order to get it. What is interesting about our Generation Z, though, as I had mentioned before, is having many more characteristics in some ways as our traditionalists. They are much more frugal. They are much more pragmatic. They are very service-oriented, and they're very much do-it-yourself. They have become more cautious, and partly because they are hearing all about the privacy concerns. In fact, they don't want to be on Facebook, partly because their parents and grandparents are, but they are finding that instead, everybody talks to them about making sure things don't stay. So they are ones that are going to be on Instagram, or they're going to be on Snapchat. So it's there, and it's gone. And credit... They're not quite sure of it because they've seen the past generations where the credit is something that has gotten them into a lot of trouble. And that makes it really tough. But if we're thinking about our earliest generations that we have right now, our youngest people, what are some of the things we need to be able to do is we need to really think about how are we going to use technology? How are we going to work with them? And we need to remember that they are someone who's going to be able to make a difference and help us to move our organizations and our families into the future. Let me give you just some last tips as we think about how we're going to manage all of these generational differences that we have. First of all, we want to think about when, when we're talking to people, share our perceptions. But remember, we need to listen to their perceptions also. We all see the world differently. And it's important to be able to take a step back and look through each other's glasses, if you will, at times. We need to be able to find what do we have in common, how can we learn from each other, and then remember, real importantly, just when you think you know exactly where the person's coming from, remember, don't stereotype, because that may be the time that that person really surprises you and doesn't act just like that generation that you thought they were going to act like. Our thanks to Dr. Becky Stewart-Gross, president of Building Bridges Seminars, for joining us this week on the PDPW podcast. More details at buildingbridgesseminars.com. And a reminder for more resources and other podcasts, go to pdpw.org. To the professional dairy producers, you are the most important asset on this planet. Thank you for listening, and have a great week. Brought to you by the PDPW. Dairy's Professional Development Organization.